0: You probably post on social media every day, but other than likes, comments, and shares, you probably never expected more from your posts, particularly not an offer to buy it. I'm Liel Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we are closely monitoring how a tweet is getting sold for millions of dollars. Our podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, how are you today? Our first episode in in March.
1: Very good. How are you, Liel?
0: Doing great, Grace. Spring is just around the corner. I want to tell you something. Here in Texas today, we have 80 degrees. 80 degrees, Grace. I I just want to tell you something. Two weeks ago, my backyard was covered with snow. Now we're at 80 degrees. It's a crazy world. The weather is just going nuts, huh? (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's going nuts, but I'm not complaining. I like warm temperatures just like you. And so I'm having a blast here. I'm really enjoying this and I'm looking forward. I'm not too sure for the summer, then it gets too intense, but at least spring is just such a delightful time. Grace, how's everything going on with you? I know you've been very, very busy working on all kinds of projects. So can you share anything or do we still need to wait patiently? At
1: this moment, we need to wait just a little patiently, but I can give a little glimpse into some of the um, stuff of the mass torts that we're dealing with. Um, so, as you know, you know the multiple companies that um, Ed owns, Ed Lake. Um, one of them is Leaders in Mass Torts, and also, you know, um, Ed Lake Law. And so we are um, kind of foraying into uh, larger groups of mass tort cases. You know, obviously we we deal with Zantac and, you know, some of the the standard ones out there, right? Hernia mesh, talc, and those types of things. But we're also kind of getting into some of the newer ones like Belvic, which is a um, mm-hmm. a drug for- yeah. Dieting.
0: Weight. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I've heard about that. We run campaigns on that. We've been on it actually for more than a year now. So mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's just kind of coming back for us in terms of on the radar and what people are interested in. um, not that it's new, new, but mm-hmm. you know new in that sense because- Well, but
0: it's picking up, right? Potentially, correct. I'm assuming correct. It's kind of like the trajectory of mass towards. There's like a, a, a level of awareness and then it becomes mainstream.
1: I mean, really, you don't know one hundred percent until you start seeing it tick up and people with more interest in it. but yeah, it definitely is starting to pick back up or starting to, to gain some traction, let's say.
0: That's interesting, Grace. I would love to hear what are you doing in terms of lead generation for that one, because uh, back in the day when we were running these campaigns, we encountered that the search volumes were very, very low. And I think that there's probably a great room here for social media awareness campaigns. I think that's probably going to be the route to go with this one. But I certainly would like for us to pick up again on this particular mustard in a few months and see how things have developed and Grace, how's your uh, Texas power outage campaign coming along? What's been the results now that it's been two weeks?
1: Um, so the campaign itself, you know, is is starting to gain, you know, obviously traction in terms of the amount of people that are um, starting to kind of get into it. And um, we're actually gonna be hosting, um, I'm trying to see if we can get it by mid-March, but probably a little bit later in March, where we're going to be hosting something called Legal Cast. And it's going to be um, the different law firms that are involved, including Ed Lake, um, about the Texas Power Outage campaign and, you know, sort of discussing all the different things. And this will be, you know, mostly for lawyers um, that would like to kind of get involved or listen in on what's happening with the Texas Power Outage campaign. Um, so, you know, right now, obviously, it's very new, but it's it's going to gain much more traction in probably not even a week or two.
0: Um, Yeah, that's actually very interesting, Grace. Legal and we're going to come back to it because it really ties very well to the main topic of our conversation this week. I can just tell you from um, the efforts that we've had behind campaigns that relate to this, actually, yes, as expected, the interest continues to ramp up. And one of our clients recently Got hired by a, a victim, a very, very, very sad case. Grace, a mother who lost her child because they couldn't get her dialysis because of the outage, so they couldn't get to the hospital and so forth and so on. So it's a very, 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 very tragic story. Obviously, it already got um, gathered a lot of press attention and such. So um, our, our our client here has been interviewed several times throughout the week and such, but it's. You know, it's a good testament that if you put the message right out there and you get through the right channels, people are actually going to raise their hand and they're going to ask for help. So um, that's that's our experience so far. And so we were glad that through our campaigns, we were able to get this uh, family, hopefully the help that they need to get through this very difficult time. So, Grace, let's leave the sad stories behind and let's now talk about our topic for this week right, which is one that I've been wanting us to jump on pretty much since the beginning of the year, but we've just had other things that have been kind of like on the front of the line. And this is the emergence of all of these new social media platforms that many of us have probably heard of, but very few of us probably have actually used them. And so there's particularly two of them that I would like us to discuss. So let's start with the first one, Grace. And you and I was just having a debate here on the pronunciation. Is it parlor? Is it parlay? What is it? Right. Well, let's. Let everyone choose the way they want to pronounce it. According to the founders who, who launched this campaign, ba- sorry, this platform back in twenty eighteen, uh, the intention was for it to be pronounced "parlay," right, as if it was the French pronunciation. Mm-hmm. But as it got, it became, it, it started to become popular here in the U.S. It, you know, uh, uh, people started calling it "parlor," and now people are using that more as the actual name of the platform. It's actually based in Henderson, Nevada, Grace. It's fairly new uh, social media platform. And so, I don't know, have you heard of it? What, what have you heard about Parlor? What are your own takes? Let's start there. So to me, you know, when
1: I've never really got into looking at some of the newer stuff to tell you the truth. You know, when Snapchat first came out, I was probably one of the last people to get on there. Um, (laughs) And it's kind of the same thing. Well, that's not true about TikTok. I actually jumped on TikTok like as soon as it came out, because I just kind of, to me, it was fun. The idea it of it. is
0: really fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's why I kind of got on that one where Snapchat was a little too much like Facebook and certain things and with the disappearing messages and, you know, you had to have the youth or other people that were already in it, teach you how to use it. Yeah. I wasn't so into that idea or concept. I understood why they did it. So when Parler came out and you know, in 2018, I really didn't pay much attention to it, particularly with the whole ultra conservative leaning that it had. So I really didn't pay attention at all until that whole thing where they got shut down. Right. And then, you know what I mean? So that's when I really, I was like, Ooh, what are you guys? What do you really do? And how is it really set up? Because to me a parlor and you know, now that you've told me that it's parlay, it makes sense, right? To talk, but parlor in, you know, the American vernacular with an O, not an E, but a parlor is a place where people kind of come together and speak to each other about different topics. Right. That's yeah. like a, that's the old school term for it. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. It's a social media site called parlor that, yeah. you know, everybody would kind of get together and talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot a bigger character limit and things like that. But beyond that, I really wasn't too interested in the, I, I, the ideas that they had on there.
0: Right, great. So let's bring it into context here for our podcast, our listeners, our audience, right? Um, which primarily are law firms or marketing managers at law firms. So do you actually need to be on the social media platform as a law firm? I personally think, Grace, no, right? Disregarding of what you're saying here about the more kind of conservative or far right leaning um, uh, reputation that it's gotten because of the users that are in there, for me, it all comes down to the size of the community, which is 100,000 people, Grace. 100,000 people, it's nothing, right? It's really, really, really nothing. So do you really need to put a lot of effort into getting into those 100,000 people's attention? I guess if you actually find that the type of user profile that is on uh, Parlay is of great interest to you, then that's the only time or reason that I think you can justify the presence in the platform, which we've seen. There's a lot of celebrities and journalists that have actually found Parlay be a great platform to grow their audience, followers, and so forth and so on. I really don't think for a general business, this is a platform that is worth their time or investment. As you very rightly said, at the end of the day, it is pretty much Twitter-inspired platform that allows you to post longer posts. You're not limited by the uh, same amount of characters that, that Twitter has, which is 280. Here you can go all the way up to 1,000. And um you can also add uh, gifs and photos, and it's a little bit more interactive, right? But at the end of the day, it's the same principles. It's a text first sort of platform. So, that is what Parler is. I mean, they have so much, so many issues. You know, as you rightly said, right at the beginning of the year, Amazon Web Services took them off their platform. Like, you cannot download this app through neither the Google or the Android uh, or the Apple Store. It's just they've been banned. Like nobody wants them. So, again, you know, I cannot find. A legitimate reason why any business would want to be there unless they are in the disinformation sort of business. I mean, let's be honest, that's pretty much the audience in the market that went there. It was people who felt that Facebook or Twitter were giving them a lot of repression uh, to their uh, views and comments. And so they felt that they had to go to a less regulated or more flexible platform, if you may. And so that's, I think, what the niche of Parler is, Grace. I don't know. Is there anything else that there is worth mentioning about this particular one?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, it's not so much about this one, but it's sort of what you and I always talk about. You should always assess, based on a few variables or factors, what social media you should get involved in. If you have the time, if it's you know the type or group of community of people that you're looking for, and is it enough in the community, people in general, for it to make it
0: worth your while. Yeah, I guess, you know, particularly to the points that you make at the beginning, right, I think it's it's the time component there. And the other thing right here that we've also mentioned too many times is that that idea that every single media channel you have to be on it, I think it's no longer applicable, right? I think if we were to look back five, six years ago, where it was three or four platforms that really led the way. We're talking Facebook, we're talking YouTube, we're talking Twitter, we're talking Instagram. And so then it was like, yeah, okay, you know, it's manageable. You can repurpose a lot of the content. Uh, you can use different platforms to show different sides of your business. And that was kind of like the right balance. But what happens now is that now all from a sudden we have uh, the snapshots, the TikToks, right? There's way too many options out there And not to mention whether you already have a podcast or other platforms that you're actually using to create content. And so you really need to decide for yourself just growing a community in one particular platform and just really investing all of your effort, time to really create something of value and create strong bonds with your community there. So I think, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say there is just one right way of going about it, but I certainly don't think that anyone should feel pressured about getting into every single platform that is out there. Now, Grace, before we actually get to conclusions, let's talk about our next platform that we wanted to explore in this episode and which I, one that I think it's, it has way more substance and it's a much interesting new social media idea here is Clubhouse. So I'll try my best here to explain what is it, Grace, and then you'll fill in with anything that I may have left out. So let's start with one very critical element that has been for the marketing of this platform is that an invitation-only social media platform, right? So that's already a new and a game-changer approach to what social media has been up until now, particularly for mainstream platforms. What does it mean, invitation-only platform? Well, it means that only someone who's already inside the platform can actually invite you. And it's not like you can send as many invites as you want when you are a member where when you finally get invited into Clubhouse, you only have two. So that's a way in which the platform has paced its growth and made it more exclusive, hence the name Clubhouse. It's a club. It's a private club. Now, here is another thing, which it's a little bit... They say that it was for pacing up the the growth. I 100% feel that this was an actual marketing move and a strategic move in terms of building a, a community that belonged to a certain demographic group. And that is that they've just made it available on iOS devices, no Androids. So basically only iPhones. And I, they say we are pacing out the growth and eventually we're going to have iOS, uh, Android, which up until now, they still don't have. So it's a fairly new platform. I mean, it just launched less than 12. Actually, it launched right a year ago in March. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. And it's already been valued for over a billion dollars. So, Grace, again, to recap, it's an invitation-only platform. It's an iOS app only. So you have to have an iOS device to get in. And so here is the other differentiator that it has against any other social media platform that we have up until now. Clubhouse is an audio-only platform. So when you actually join the platform, you have a screen full of little rooms. And each one of these rooms is a place where there's a bunch of people having audio conversations. Think about it as a conference call or as a Zoom call where there is no video and just people can jump in and talk, literally. And so there are some rooms where you actually go in and there is one main person speaking and everybody else is kind of like listening. And it's more, you can even compare it to a live uh, a live podcast or a live webinar or something around those lines. Now, there are some other rooms where it's a free for all and you just get in there and it's, it's a mess. Everybody's talking over each other. And it's, you know, maybe that's what people are after. But what I really like about this platform, Grace, is that it really simplifies the process of putting audio content out there. It's not a podcast in the sense that you have to actually go through the process of producing the podcast. And it also removes the need of having the video element, right? Because everything that has been up until now, um, live, social media events have been kind of like YouTube Lives or Facebook Lives or Instagram Lives. And that sort of uh, approach doesn't necessarily fit everyone's preferred communication method. Not everyone is comfortable or happy or actually wants to be on camera when uh, they're actually having conversations. They don't necessarily feel that it adds or it plays to their advantage. And I think they actually really found a very important need here that was not really being catered or given an opportunity to shine through the other existing social media platforms, Grace. So what do you think? What are your thoughts about Clubhouse just on a high level? So I feel like,
1: you know, Clubhouse feels like an a, a live radio call, right? Sort of like one of those live radio interviews. Yeah, that's the feeling I get from it because you know, as you know, I was in radio before. I mean, many moons ago, but you know, that's how because the style was because it's only audio. That's all you can hear, and and you don't have to do a full production. And this is what's happening right now, and you know, we're talking to each other, and it's there's no real script that was created. You know, it's, it's general interviews that you might do on a radio call. Um, And to me, it feels the same. And I like that concept to tell you the truth. Um, I don't know how I feel about the um, invite only per se, but that's a business decision on their part, which makes sense and seems to have been working for them up to this point. Right. Because they've had Elon Musk and they've had Zuckerberg on there and they've had pretty big names, you know, particularly again, it's invite only. And as you and I both know, what do people love? Exclusivity. And so exclusivity and building up that I'm the only one and you're invited and you're special creates definitely a different dynamic. So for me, the biggest thing is this is a platform for people to sort of market themselves, um, sort of come That's to right. it with an agenda, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because um, I think as long as people realize that, I mean, social media is kind of about Uh, 80-20, like we always talk about, right? 80% about other people, 20% self-promotion. This sounds more like um, the reverse where it's 80% self-promotion and maybe some 20% content that actually might give somebody information. So that's, for me, that's what this kind of looks like. It's the flip side of self-promotion of a company. um, And they're being helped by the invite only and the exclusivity and the the names, right? These are celebrities. So Clubhouse, I see it as something that will continue to grow and people like listening to these people. Um, I mean, I do too. So I can understand, you know, when I go into something like that or I might pay attention to something like that, as long as I go into it knowing that this this is a marketing tool, um it's social media and these people are invited to speak about what they want to speak about i think it's great i think it's a very interesting new concept and I can't wait to see what happens.
0: And so it has some interesting elements to it as well, Grace, right? That differentiate uh, them from other platforms that allow you to create content in in either live or pre-recorded or whatever that is. And that's that um, Clubhouse doesn't actually keep recordings uh, available for other users after they actually happen. So the conversations have that feel as that they're happening now. And if you were there, great, amazing. If you if you missed it, that's it. It's gone and you missed it for good. Now, with that being said, Clubhouse, they are actually recording all of this content. Uh, they're just not making it available for the public, right? So, you know, there is that privacy element that people may uh, have an issue with moving forward. Now, the other thing is that there is such capacity limit to how many people can actually join a conversation, like an actual live conversation. And that's add, you know, to that element of wanting to be alert because you don't know at what point Mark Cuban is going to appear in one of these rooms and is going to start talking and sharing ideas and thoughts and kind of like really giving you a mini TED Live impromptu without any further notice and so that element of kind of improvisation i think it's very uh unique very cool and it gives some 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 sense of excitement and kind of like well i want to know who's going to be next and who's going to be around or who am i going to come across on my next expedition across the rooms right and i think that's a very cool thing a very cool feature that clubhouse has now like any other social media platform they faced some quite intense criticism and well justified because it's a platform that it's been also hard to moderate in terms of what kind of conversations are having there, what people are saying. So it's been a source also for misinformation, misogyny. People have complained that it's not always a safe place. And so they're taking steps trying to make it a more, not a free-for-all where people can actually go and exercise hate speech or other things that are not the intention of the platform to promote. But this is going to be obviously an ongoing issue that they'll have to continue getting better. So apparently they've already hired moderators. Grace, I'll tell you one thing. I actually think, again, taking back into consideration everything that you say, do you actually have the time for it? But I actually think this is a very interesting social media platform. I think it has a lot of opportunity. I think primarily I see it as a really, really powerful place to network. Like just for instance, hearing your idea that you were just saying now about the legal cast, right, that you guys are going to be doing with regards to Texas power outage and what's going to happen next, what opportunities are there. Like the whole idea that a clubhouse could be a platform where just, you know, without much preparation, just as things are happening, as news are developing, you could actually jump in and join conversations where you could actually listen to some of the biggest names in the legal world already starting to talk and uh, share their ideas, their thoughts, what they uh, anticipate is going to happen next in such a way that is way more natural, right? Then Nobody needs nothing. You just need a phone and then that's it. You're actually talking, you're connecting, you're networking, you're listening. And I think that's very powerful. And that's I think, fits right in with the model that attorneys like this whole idea of having to do recorded podcasts with cameras and you know not everybody feels comfortable with it but I mean you tell me who doesn't actually has a good relationship with our phone and just being on phone calls I think we all miss the day where you could just be on the phone no cameras no chats no nothing it's just you, your phone, and you're having a conversation with someone. And that's, I think, a very a, a pretty much preferred method of conversation of a big uh, segment of our market. I'm talking attorneys here again. And I think they're just going to feel right at home communicating this way and joining conversations this way. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's a preferred method, I think, for a lot of people to just be able to do an off-the-cuff conversation about what they already know. You know, I mean, that that's what it comes down to. It's like, just, hey, I'm going to get on a call, literally get on a call about what I've been doing my whole life and what I know about what's going on right this second. And it's very natural. Like you said, I don't have to be on camera. I don't have to look good. I don't I can be in my pajama and pajamas and I could be eating cereal and still have yeah. that conversation
0: comfortable. And- And and it's not just about, as you said, right, the self-awareness of being on camera or not. It's also the fact that it allows you to also put the focus on words, on audio. And I think we've already seen through podcasts that it's a very powerful way of communication. So can we actually get faster and more dynamic and just remove some of the complexities to just speed up the process and have the content creation be more, more streamlined. And I think that's what this does. And again, I think it's just a really great way of also being fast at joining up and being part of conversations that sometimes you would have had to wait a week until you know the conference calls get scheduled, the webinar gets curated, it, it gets promoted. And so you don't have to go through that here. It's It's the whole idea is that you don't have to you have time right now, go figure out, go find out what's going. Now, what I think this is actually going to evolve into, and probably it's already happening. So people are going to start promoting it through other social media platforms. I'm going to be on Clubhouse today at this time for a conversation like this and join in. And I think that's you know a great thing as well. It's also different from podcasts from the standpoint that you, you can actually participate. It depends... On the host of the room, if you may, how much involvement you can have as a listener. Can you actually speak? Can you ask questions? It's very similar to to a Zoom conference in the sense that you can raise your hand, you can ask questions and that sort of thing. But there's a moderator. There's someone who's going to decide whether you're going to get your chance or not. But it's interactive, whereas a podcast, you are basically listening to a recording. So I think it has a lot of potential grace. I like this. Now, before we move to our takeaways, let's now see what's been the response of the old-timers. Because if one thing we know is that, you know, you cannot come up with a new idea without them Facebook coming and replicating it. It's been the same story over and over again. Uh, remember Snapchat stories? Well, same thing. Now, let's see what's been the response to Clubhouse by the major players. Well. Twitter, doesn't happen to be a coincidence, this week released Spaces, it's called Twitter Spaces, and I'll explain in a second what it is, on Android. right? So whereas Clubhouse is exclusively for iOS, Twitter went on to create a very similar concept as an extension to their platform and released it on Android. And what are Twitter Spaces, Grace? Well, Twitter Spaces are, again, rooms where you join other users in Twitter and listen or participate in conversations. Right now, because it's just been released, I believe there is, as a normal user, you can just join in, spaces where conversations are happening and listen to them. Eventually, it's going to be, again, interactive where anyone can start up their own room and anyone can start up their own conversation. And that's kind of like where it's heading to. But the bottom line is that Twitter is already taking notice of it. They've already implemented it into their platform. And so we can only anticipate for this to become a full feature that's not just going to be limited for Android and Twitter. It's going to go iOS as well and then it's gonna just try to grow within the existing Twitter platform. Is Twitter the right place for this? I mean, maybe yes, maybe not. Twitter had an attempt to do their own version of stories, didn't really quite take off. People don't go to Twitter to see uh, stories. Twitter is good for their uh, idea of short messaging, And that's what the community in Twitter likes doing, right? And that's the one thing that I continue to uh, see social media platforms not necessarily understanding is that the fact that you already have built a community doesn't mean that the community there is looking forward for you to actually add on additional things. They actually like the platform for what the platform allows them to do and the way that it allows them to create content. They are not necessarily looking for new ways to do content inside that platform where there are other alternatives. And that's the thing, right? If I wanted it to do Clubhouse type of content, well, I would try to get myself into Clubhouse and create the content there. And so I think it, it could go either way. Maybe it's going to be a cra- huge success, like Stories was for Instagram, and they were able to do very well uh, taking the idea of Snapchat. Or it may not necessarily have the results that they want, but uh, we can certainly see that this is going there and now. Grace, one more thing I want to say here, which is also recent news, and here there is a little bit more speculation because nobody really knows what's the move. But what what got announced yesterday is that. Square, a Jack Dorsey CEO platform for online payments, and also Jack Dorsey CEO of Twitter, acquired the majority of Tidal, which is a music streaming platform. Now, the idea here is that Square is trying to change the game in the way that music content creators can actually monetize their content so almost kind of like cut the big names in the industry and create more direct to user direct to user approach right is what is also known as nfts which is a non-fungible tokens and it's basically grace kind of like a little bit of the same concept behind cryptocurrencies so intangibles that people are willing to put money into it and they exist under a cloud where it has a value and you can exchange things for it. And so that's where this is heading with the square title move. Now, why does this matter? Well, because again, Tidal, Square are part of now Jack Dorsey's ecosystem. And so with the arrival of Spaces in Twitter, what are we seeing is that uh, the practice of monetizing content on social media is going to become a more normal thing. And so I think you know for that to happen on, in the music industry, we kind of like expect it. But I think the next move now is we're going to start seeing more well-established platforms such as Twitter giving an opportunity for content creators to actually monetize their content from inside these platforms. And it's very likely that that's going to happen as well in platforms like Clubhouse, where you're actually going to be able to either tip or pay to be part of these conversations or to listening into these conversations. And I actually think it will take off queries. I have no doubts that it will. To your point, and you know, loosely related, but similar in terms of content and monetizing
1: content. I don't know if you heard, but HBO Max is going to be uh, releasing a new version of HBO Max where they're going to reduce the streaming services cost per month if you don't mind ads. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's to your point, content producers are realizing the need to monetize it in a way that also makes sense for the viewer, for the the person creating the content for that platform. And in this case, they, you know, they're putting it all together. And, and I think you're right. I think this is a, a very good idea on their part in terms of putting it, to, you know, there's their yeah. financials, plus social media platform that he already has, plus now music content, you know, which yeah. is what people look for when it comes to social media in general.
0: So Hulu Hulu already does that. And what's more powerful is that as an advertiser, right? And these law firms can actually go to Hulu directly and buy ad placement with them. And I think what we're actually going to see even more is actual users deciding who they want to back up in terms of their preferred creators of content and really kind of like skip entirely the big production houses that have been up until now kind of contracting content creators that then get paid by the big production houses to create the content and then they collect all the profits. So you're basically taking the middleman out of the picture. But I mean, what are takeaways? Let's, Let's bring it all down to actionable takeaways for Law Firm's Grace. What's your first one?
1: Uh, So my first one, it would be kind of going back to what we talked about over and over again in terms of creating content. Look at the platforms that are of use to you, make sure that it will be of use to you, and then you can spend some time on it if if it's part of the strategy and makes sense to include it as part of your strategy.
0: What do you think? I totally agree with it. The second one I would say, Grace, is... Understand what type of strategy you have in in each platform. And I see that a lot. It's not clear to me who are they talking to in each one of the platforms. What are you using the social platform for? Have a strategy behind it. And it's perfectly fine to use one platform for one thing and another platform for another thing. I think the most and most, the, the easiest differentiator has always been like, okay, Facebook is for social and LinkedIn is for business. And so if that is the case, then stick to it right? Because I'm starting to see a lot of LinkedIn that has nothing to do with business. Um, And I see a lot of law firms starting to jump a lot in LinkedIn between if you've been involved in an accident and then sometimes a little bit more of thought needs to go behind that. Grace, we have room for one more takeaway. What is it? I feel
1: that the last takeaway is look at your strategy again. It's always the time to re-review everything that you're currently doing And making sure that you're hitting the points that you want who's your target market who's your demographic is your story coming across the way you expect it to are you on the platforms that are going to help you explain your story and reach out to the demographics that you want need to look at this because i'm surprised every day at how few people look at what's actually being published on their social media and what the tone is and how they're being presented to everybody and with since the advent of covid everyone is, is online we spend close to we spend so this is the last statistic i just saw three point something hours in terms of watching television we spend four hours looking at apps on our phone four hours a day yeah,
0: yeah screen usage has gone up crazy over the last 12 months and I think that's a big component here is what you said, right? Do you actually have the time, the resources to add an additional thing to your busy content calendar? But I, again, think, Grace, that, you know, experimenting, trying new things is 100% worth its while. I think that how do you measure the results of your social media? doesn't necessarily need to be by likes or by new followers. It can be measured through other ways as well, right? Uh, At the end of the day, you need to remind yourself, what are you posting? What are you doing? If you're actually just looking to generate engagement, then yes, potentially the likes and the followers are gonna be important for you. But if you're actually looking at bringing users from social media to your website and seeing whether they're actually converting into clients, then you should actually be looking at other metrics and really see whether the strategy is working as a whole. The user journey is a long one, uh, multiple touch points. So don't forget that, right? There is no one strategy that is the be all for the law firm, particularly when you're looking at social media platforms. These are awareness touch points. The goal is just being there, being visible, being... Top of mind. Yeah, helping your brand stay top of mind. So it's, it's a matter of uh, allocating the time. Exactly. Okay, well, we'll be back next week another conversation. That's right. Okay, Grace. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye, Leah. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at in We'll see you next week.